Hi, how can I help you today? As a McDonald's employee, you say those words quite often. But how about when you need help, like consulting a doctor? Hi, how can I help you today? When you work for a McDonald's restaurant, we take care of you like family. With free virtual doctor's visits, including getting prescriptions and refills for you and everyone in your family. Apply today at careers.mcdonalds.com and find out more. The benefits described herein are only available at participating restaurants. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey there, my name is Ricky Smith, and I'm the founder of Random Acts of Kindness Everywhere, a nonprofit that simply does exactly what it says. Promote kindness everywhere. We know the world is crazy right now. If you are searching for a podcast that has a deeper conversation about race, my co-host Angel Gray and I will be discussing everything going on right now on our podcast, Random Acts of Podcast, on Blue Wire Podcast Network. To find out more, go to rakenow.org. Enjoy the show. Schmidt Duop and Mason Ginsburg, and this is all Pelicans all the time. Welcome to another episode of In the Know, brought to you by BetOnline.ag for all your betting needs that are happen to be online. We also understand at this time around the country there are very important protests going on, and we want to let you know if you're participating, we support you, and if you want to find out ways you can contribute to the Black Lives Matter movement and as well as raise awareness or donate. Uh, please feel free to reach out to Mason or I on Twitter. Our, our DMs are open. We can help point you in the right directions, especially if you're looking for ways to contribute locally. I can help with New Orleans and Atlanta. Mason can help with Chicago. So please don't hesitate to reach out to us and power on. Couldn't possibly agree more. And uh, the only thing I'll I'll add to that, apart from echoing everything uh, you just said, Schmidt, is, is I mean, it just it all it all starts with just awareness and speaking up. Um, I think uh, you know everyone who's participating in the, in the peaceful protests, everyone who is contributing their time or money to the, to all these great causes, I think is fantastic. But 
know, even if you, you know, you don't have the means to do so there, there's just, just tell people how you feel, tell, have conver- have the right conversations and, and just, uh, you know, I, I, I really feel passionately about the ability to, to reach out to your own personal networks and, and really get the right message across to those people. And, um, you know, there's some people who don't want to listen to you, but there are others who may not agree with you, who, who will still listen to you and have a conversation about it. And, um, and those people will, will kind of pass that message along. That's, that's really what I've been, that's, that, that's my personal message that I've been trying to drive is, as I think, you know, I'm, uh, I, I'm trying to contribute in as, in as many ways as possible to this, to these great causes. And, but more than anything, just, uh, you know, be, speak up. Don't just, uh, assume that other people are going to do it for you. I think it's, I think it's, it's so important in this time. Yep. We all have a power to make a change. If we all act on it, perhaps one day soon we can make a real difference. But Mason, it's been a while since we've gone together to record. A lot has happened in the NBA world as well, and a lot is clearly going on outside of the NBA world. Uh, Before we get into some basketball talk, how are things going on in Chicago, especially related to COVID? Are, Are things opening back up? Are you... Um, resuming some sort of normalcy in your in your lifestyle or are things still relatively the same and project to be for the foreseeable future um so things are starting to open up uh finally um just right now it's really just uh so i got a haircut on monday for the first time in three and a half months that was a that was a a very much needed uh milestone (laughs) but um the uh restaurants or outdoor spaces are starting to open at, li- at limited capacity uh, out here. So um, we, Anna and I have a, a, a small group of friends that we've been pretty much seeing, seeing just the four of them and, and no one else really <laughs> over the past few months, just keeping our, our network kind of tight uh, for all the coronavirus reasons. And so we've started to get out, had a couple of meals out of the, out of the apartment. Um, but uh, you know, slow and steady, nothing else feels different yet. Um, we're still, working from home for the foreseeable future, it can kind of get a little stir crazy, um, but uh, but still healthy. So can't complain too much, uh, especially given everything else going on outside of just the COVID. So, um, so yeah, it's just taking it one day at a time. Uh, what's, uh, what's the scene like? Are you, I, I mean, are you back in Atlanta? Are you in New Orleans? Where, no, I, never, I've been, I don't know where you are. I've been in New Orleans for since basically the beginning of quarantine. Uh, so like March, 10th or whatever i think mm-hmm. um whenever things it was like three three four days after the nba got canceled um uh that i decided to head down to new orleans um been here for a minute things are really good in terms of how the city has responded the if you don't follow jeff asher um you should <laughs> crime analytics he's been doing perhaps the best job i've seen online tracking Um, how the disease has progressed in New Orleans and New Orleans has made a tremendous recovery, especially relative to other major cities. And I say we have the power to completely get rid of this. If we all continue to practice the social distancing, the mask wearing, the no going out, if it's unnecessary, um, Though all those practices, are, you know, they've made a tremendous difference. I think New Orleans has had less than 20 cases uh, a day for the last week or so, which is 20 cases is nothing, you know, and they've really ramped up testing. So things are good. They haven't fully moved on to 
a, what they call a phase two opening yet. And it's, it's projected to be soon. And um, hopefully by the time they're ready for that, the numbers look even better. So that's good news for sure. Cannot say the same for our neighbors in Texas or <laughs> Mississippi or Alabama. And I think even Georgia, the rest of the South has not been as great. Um, there's, there's been upticks, especially since Memorial day. So that's a little bit concerning, but I guess we will see what happens with regards to that, but definitely related to that, the NBA has been planning a comeback for quite some time. And a lot of factors have gone into it. Where are they going to play? How safe are they going to make it? What teams are going to come and slowly and slowly more details have started to emerge regarding this and it seems like they're bringing 22 teams to Orlando in which they will have an opportunity to play eight games apiece and then the eighth and ninth seed if they're within four games of each other will have the opportunity to have a play-in tournament to steal the final playoff spot. Um, Now it's important that you notice that's only the eighth and ninth seed because the Pelicans um, currently are in 10th, and if they don't make it to the ninth seed, they will not have an opportunity to make it to the play-in tournament. Uh, the other thing to notice is because each team is going to have only eight more games to play, they're going to finish the season with an uneven amount of games played, meaning some teams are going to have played more games than others. Portland has played two games more than the Pelicans. They went one and one uh, in those additional two games, and so it is impossible for the Pelicans to really tie with them uh, in terms of numbers of games played. But if the Pelicans go eight and O and Portland goes eight and O, then, you know, the Pelicans will be able to use their tiebreaker and virtually every other scenario, the Pelicans tiebreaker with Portland, who they swept four and O this, this year is completely wiped out, um, which is a tad bit unfair. Um, looking at the surface Memphis is in a similar position where Memphis has played more games than the Pelicans making it impossible to really tie with them and uh yeah the Pelicans are in a, in a weird spot but the good news is I guess I don't know if this is good news the schedule that they are proposing is the teams will play every team that they were scheduled to play on the ske- uh on their regular season schedule minus the teams that aren't invited so like the Atlanta Hawks and the Cleveland Cavaliers of the world you just roll over to the next game and relative to the other playoff chasing teams, the Pelicans do have a much easier schedule. I was wondering if you had any time to really process the new structure and, and what the, the potential schedule uh, may be Mason and what your thoughts are on that. Yeah. And, and so, I mean, obviously I think the one thing that that would have been consistent no matter what happened is that the Pelicans were going to have one of the easiest schedules left uh, of the teams that are, are, are remaining. Uh, however, I think it's, it's not as the, the difference between their schedule and others, I think isn't as drastic as it once was. And so I, of course you, you don't have the bad teams that the Pelicans would have played, but no other team has bad teams either either. So, um, but the, but the, I think the other issue is that the Pelicans were in a spot where they were going to get to play a bunch of teams down the stretch that were just kind of like mailing it in. And now, and now inherently with the schedule, the way it's structured, pretty much no team is going to get a, a, a kind of a, a, a face an opponent that's really mailing in maybe, maybe sit, maybe like the teams like San Antonio and Phoenix. Um, but, but I mean, most of these games are going to be hard fought games 
um, for, for, the, for the Pelicans. Uh, I, I'd say – and then on the flip side, if you look at Memphis's schedule um, specifically, because that's the team that all the teams fighting for the eighth seed are chasing – um, no, theirs, theirs is tough, but it's also not as tough as it was. And so, I mean, the reason I say that is they've got a couple of games uh, against some teams that before would have had a, a reason to play harder than maybe they do now. Um, I think a, a, a pretty clear example of that is like the Boston Celtics game that, that, um, that Memphis has. So that, that game against the Celtics is probably going to be one of the last, I think it's the last one they're going to play if, if that the next eight games in the schedule rule holds true. And Boston's got is like three games up and three games back of the next closest seeds to them. And so there's a very small chance that that game ends up mattering. And so there, there, I think there are some situations where playing a good team like Milwaukee, Milwaukee is like six games up on the two seed. They maybe they play, you know, they take, they take half their game seriously and, and they take the other half where, you know, not that, not that any team's not going to take games like, play hard because you want to tune up for the playoffs and you haven't played real basketball in a while. So I think maybe that I'm, I'm overstating the impact there, but, but um, the, the, the point being that I think the gap between the Pelicans schedule and other teams is diminished relative to what it was before. And so while they have an easier road, I think making up four games and uh, in, in, against over the Grizzlies in, in an eight game period is, is highly unreasonable and they're going to have to really push for that I, I think the best outcome the best realistic outcome for the pelicans here is to get the ninth seed and then beat them beat the grizzlies twice just like they've already done this year um although they do have two more games against memphis right in the right before we get to the playoff right and and that's the thing uh, i forgot to mention that if they do reach the ninth seed it's not you know a winner take all situation if they lose a single game against the Grizzlies or whoever is in the eighth seed at that point, they are out. So it is double elimination for the eighth seed and single elimination for the ninth seed. Uh, the Pelicans have to win two before the opponent wins one. Makes it a little bit tougher. And you're right. The schedule discrepancy is uh, significantly reduced. Um, all in all, it's pretty cool. The Pelicans have a chance, but the advantages that they would have had had this been a regular season, strength of schedule, tiebreakers, etc., those are completely stripped away. So, like, I don't want to hear anyone talking about how they're just doing this to get Zion Williamson in. I I don't want to hear that. Yeah. They're doing this because eight uh, eight games for twenty two teams apiece generates over a hundred million dollars in revenue, if not more. And the regional sports networks. Exactly. And then the play in tournament and then, you know, a potentially interesting playoffs if Sion gets in, because we know if anyone else gets in, it's going to be boring. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so it's going to be fun. I, I'm, I'm excited. Uh, and obviously the, uh, the, the whole, I'm so I, the kind of what, seeing fans react to how this is all structured is going to be incredibly interesting to me. I mean, cause it's going to be like a summer league type setup, whether it's just got, they're in the same couple of gyms playing games all day long. Like what's, what's the earliest start time going to be for it? We're, are we going to get 9am start times for games? Is that how this is going to work? Is the West coast going to be awake? <laughs> Imagine them scheduling like Laker games when there's no one awake on the West coast. That'd be fun. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, there's a ton of interesting things that are going to 
happen what uh what they're going to do with the noise because there's maybe no fans in the arena if they're gonna they're gonna take a, a play out of the falcons playbook and uh and pump in fake noise I, i've heard the stuff about nba 2k um sounds i i wish they would just strip everything away and let us let us hear the players talk shit and let us hear the even the like this the the shoes squeaking on the court like all all that stuff i'm i would eat it up and so i i would love to hear nothing pumped in and just pure basketball but uh yeah i don't know it's gonna be it's gonna be weird it's gonna be fun so there's also the actual concern about safety and it seems like the nba is kind of sweeping this under the rug and yes they're you know they're like oh we care about safety and all of that but there really aren't any good answers to okay well you know if a player gets covid then what they say, okay, well, they, they're quarantined for a minimum of seven days. Well, if one player has it, what are the odds that's the only player that has it? And then you have all these people in you know relatively close quarters. It, it's just, I feel like it has the potential to really blow into something that they don't want or that anybody wants. And there isn't much conversation on the NBA regarding this or from the NBA regarding this. Um, especially because like players are only strongly urged to stay in the bubble and it's not mandatory, which is fine. And then they're not mandatory. It's not mandatory for them to play either, which is also fine. Um, Can you like what, first of all, what is the biggest name player you think you could see saying, you know what? I don't want to play. Mm. I mean, the the easy answer is Dame, right? Because Lillard already commented around not seeing a, a ton of reason, and so I mean, I, I think they're probably too close to the eighth seed to see him bow out. So I don't I don't see Lillard doing it. But like, yeah, I think I don't know. he said I think he said he would play if his team had a chance. Yeah. So uh, it's funny. I probably would have said a guy like Lamarcus Aldridge, and now he's not playing because he's because he got now it's, it was announced that he got surgery like weeks ago. Um, so does DeRozan for, play? You think? Well, so yeah. I mean, there's a dependency there, right? So if 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 I'm DeRozan and I know the other, you know, maybe the, the other best player on my team is is out, um, what's the incentive for me to play? So I think that and and DeRozan's not exactly uh, poor uh, with the contract he's on. So I think. You know, not losing out on a few, a couple games paycheck wouldn't bother him too much. And so, um, and I think Pop of all coaches would probably be the guy to be like, eh, all right. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't think, I don't think Pop would be too concerned about it either. So I think that's a, that's a decent bet. Um, and then of course you have um, what the Wizards are, are, uh, are in this thing sort of, right. Uh, or yeah. So Orlando's the eighth seed and the Wizards are the ninth seed, right. And they're, they're, they stuck them in this thing, and I, I don't know. Could could you see your boy Bradley Beal not playing? That would be hilarious because <laughs> the Wizards are so bad. Like I don't know what they would do. Bradley Beal scores thirty points a game, thirty points, and they're that bad. Yeah. And of course, the Pelicans have two games against the Wizards after the, the eight game period. <laughs> they would have played them twice in April this year. They haven't played them yet this year. But yeah, we haven't played Atlanta yet either. Yeah. Like all those easy games are yeah. completely wiped out. Yeah. A little bit ridiculous. Yeah, I don't know. And then you brought up Pop, but then it's also like a question for coaches. All the, obviously, yeah. the older coaches have been like, yeah, 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 we're going to be here. And they're being all gung-ho about it. But, you know, those are the most vulnerable people that would be attending. Yeah. Like what happens if a coach gets it? 
Mm-hmm. My thing is like, what, like what happens? So there's, there's two, there's like one real worst case scenario. And that's if a coach or a player gets it and they end up in critical, in, in a critical situation. I feel like there's no way they can continue to play if someone actually ends up in a critical situation. And then there's the other um, scenario, and obviously you can't equate it to a, a situation where someone's in a critical uh, condition, but the other works are for the NBA in terms of play is like, what if LeBron or Giannis or a major star gets it? Yeah. Um, I mean, especially on a title contender. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I, that's, I, I, I really do agree with you that it seems like we're just kind of people and or fans kind of larger are making this assumption that, ah, uh, we got it covered. We'll, we got it figured out. The league, if the league's doing this, they've got a plan and I believe they have a plan, but also like, I feel like, we may be just collectively understating the the ways in which the plan can go sideways. Right. And so, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm like, there. I, I feel like it's tough to realistically say that not, no player is going to, to get to uh, test positive for COVID throughout this entire stretch. Right. I mean, that, that seems in, increasingly unlikely. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, like rate, rates of infection are dropping, so it is possible that that they don't. But I, I will say, like, I, I'm with you. Like, I'll be pretty surprised if this whole thing goes without a hitch. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess the question is, how do you how, the how do you deal with that? And so, and and that's I'm sure. I mean, the league's the league got some time to plan out their their scenarios here, um, but. Yeah, um, I don't know. I mean, so kind of there is no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partners, betonline.ag. Sports are slowly making their way back, and BetOnline is leading the way with the best odds and lines for all UFC, NASCAR, boxing, and soccer matches. And if you need even more, they have simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC simulations all day, every day, live on their website. Looking for something else other than sports? BetOnline has hundreds of casino games, poker tournaments, and prop bets to check out. Visit BetOnline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE for a free welcome bonus. That's one word, BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. Playing this forward, it kind of goes off topic a little bit because I know we will probably want to get to jump back into the, the actual playoff situation for the Pelicans. But um, have you been reading the, some of the more recent stuff or, or caught up on the it, the – downstream impact this could have on how they structure the the following season yes yeah, so the whole idea that there might be only a 22 day off season um <laughs> that's pretty incredible and you know they're gonna have a four-day moratorium basically after the draft and then when free agency opens but a 22 day off season like that like what's what kind of time do like players get off they only get a month off and maybe they don't need that much time off i don't know like that, that is, that is pretty bizarre to me, but it's what I'm interested in is from a draft standpoint where typically you have a rookie who gets drafted. What, you know, like a month from now, Oh, yeah. like that's, that's when, when, when the draft usually happens and then July there's their summer league. And then they have um, all the rest of the summer to kind of train with the team before training camp and get ready. Well, a rookie this time is basically going to be sitting on their butts 
until October when there is the draft. And then they're not, I don't think there's going to be a summer league. I mean, I, I maybe, maybe they'll have a super accelerated one, but that's such a tough timeline um, for that to happen. And then you're thrown into the training camps. So I don't like to me, if I'm the Pelicans and I already have a lot of young players, that's just another reason for me to be like, okay, well that, you know, this is effectively a red shirt year for, for whoever I'm drafting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Um, uh, you know, and I don't know if it changes the way you approach the, the draft or just to how you approach the roster construction after the draft. But um, yeah, I, I don't think I had heard the number 22 days before, which is just that that is unbelievable. And um, I, I'm, I'm more concerned. I, I've, I've read some things that are saying that they're basically going to do more, more back to backs and have situations where you may have like a four, four and five or something like that. And like, or, or, and I, I don't know. I, that's where I, that's where I start to wonder like what the league truly is, is prioritizing when you balance player health versus, um, you know, money. And so uh, that, that concerns me pretty significantly. And I wouldn't be surprised if, if the, it, the reaction to that from teams is just, you're going to see a lot more players resting if, if that actually happens. So that, and um, like, I feel like if they really want to go there, they have to structure it. And so those four and five nights are like homestands basically. Mm-hmm. And where one team is not traveling, if they have a lot of games coming up in a row. Yeah. So that because I think travel on top of an accelerated game schedule really screws with things. And yeah, maybe load management will be even bigger deal next year. Yeah. There's but, just um, so much to, to piece in regarding that. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh. I'm truly unprecedented at times. Yeah, but um, I mean, I guess you know, back to back to the actual situation for the Pelicans. I mean, so so what we're looking at for New Orleans is, you know, Sacramento, Utah, uh, Clippers, Spurs, Grizzlies, Kings, Grizzlies, and then Magic. I think that's eight. Yeah. So, um, predictions. What are we uh, – well, uh, first of all, the big question, the thing that everyone's wondering, is Darius Miller going to play? Of course. Best shooter on the team. <laughs> it does sound like it's the, the – uh, I think I saw a tweet from Lopez. that It's not totally out of the realm of possibility that he plays. But uh, would you ra- almost rather him not play and get one of our two-way guys on the floor? <laughs> would you rather he play or Melly play? Uh, Melly. I think, I mean, the team needs, I think the only reason I would pick Melly is rebounding because yeah, I was going to say rebounding allergic <laughs> to it, but having M- Miller at the four with Zion, um, at the five or even, even at the three, uh, in a smaller lineup, uh, I think that could open up a lot of opportunities for Zion because Miller is a dead eye shooter in the sense that Melly is, a theoretical shooter who just doesn't make shots. I don't, I mean, I, I have to, I guess I'd have to see and and believe that the thing is like, if you have Miller, he's still going to be like on a, I I imagine coming off an Achilles injury, you're still on some sort of restriction. Not that he would be playing a ton of minutes anyway, obviously. um, But I don't know. Like I, I, Miller doesn't do 
anything besides shoot. That's the problem. It's like that is, I don't, that is a really big problem. <laughs> like not he adds zero other value on the court. Like he's not a good defender. He doesn't rebound. He doesn't. I I, I don't think he's a very good passer, and I don't think he moves without the ball very well. So I mean. I don't know. I, I, I think Melly, I'd rather Melly for his rebounding. And he still draws defenders um, just because he's, he's not afraid to let it fire. So Melly um, and, and Melly yeah. is funky. Like he has a funk to him that I don't think any player on, on the Pelicans has. So I'll, yeah, I'll agree. Melly's the choice. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so what, uh, any, any predictions for uh, how, how the Pelicans fare in their eight games, I guess, First question is, do you see any other – would you expect them to lose any of their other games besides, like, Utah and the Clippers? So, like, say, if you look at the schedule, I feel like you'd favor the Pelicans in at least – probably in six out of the eight games unless you – I mean, because there's no more home road. And so I think they'd be favored both times against Memphis with both teams being fully healthy. Uh, that, I mean, the, all the data would suggest that the Pelicans would be the, would be the better team at full strength. Um, but so how, where do you have the Pelicans through the eight games? The only coin flip game outside of the, the two, like outside of the jazz and Clippers I see is, uh, the Kings. You think Kings tougher than Grizzlies? Oh, easily. Interesting. Okay. I know they're both, I think, I think they're hot before the stoppage. So I I think the Kings are a wild card. I think, what makes it so that uh, the Pelicans match up well with the Kings is that the Kings, a lot of their engine comes from their backcourt and the Pelicans have really good backcourt defenders. Mm-hmm. If it's Harrison Barnes trying to do shit, like whatever <laughs> it's, yeah. it's De'Aaron Fox, Buddy Heald and Bogdanovich that I'm worried about. And I think the Pelicans are, equipped to handle that between drew lonzo and hart i think so too um they'd probably have not that i haven't really seen much of him but i think they get they would get marvin bagley back which is marvin bagley would get broken in half again and be out for yeah just just it's bagley might as well sit it out there's yeah hey bagley welcome back to the nba here guard a 285 pound muscle man good luck yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, b- better news for New Orleans that uh, Aldridge is out for the, I mean, although you can never roll what I was going to say, you can never roll Popovich out, but if Popovich isn't allowed to coach, then another that's, that's even better for the Pelicans. So um, yeah, San Antonio game looks good for them. Um, Memphis. I, you know, I want to believe Pelicans will win both those just because of what I've, what I've seen against in their Memphis games already. And also, um, you know, assuming both teams are, are, full, are healthy um, or, I don't know. Like what, what is, is Memphis going to be? I mean, I, I don't think you can pencil in justice Winslow, but beyond that, I feel like Memphis, I'm sure will, Memphis feels like they'll be fully healthy too. Right. Yeah. If they're going to be fully healthy and go for one, one for seven. Oh, I hope their one win is like against Portland or something. And like, I, I I'm, I'm pumped that one of the, like, if you're going to have two games against good teams, I'm real. I'm really glad that, that Utah is one of them just because there's already bad blood between the, the both teams from, earlier in the season and so oh, yeah. um that'll be fun and then yeah i mean the clippers game is going to be tough because there is a few teams fighting for the two seed uh there, there are teams that close enough where you know the clippers can't do what the lakers can do and just kind of like 
get ready for the playoffs, but also don't feel like. Yeah, but if there's game. like a lot of back to backs or rapid fire games, maybe they rest Kawhi in one of them. It's true. That is true, and it's like yeah, it's game. I haven't looked at the Clippers schedule, but yeah, uh, yeah. So it'll be it'll be interesting. I don't really see a scenario where the Pelicans can can, can pass the. Uh, can pass the Grizzlies, but uh, do you have any predictions on Pelicans players if they will be before, if they will be better or worse than they were um, when the season was put on hold? Uh, I mean, my nervousness. Uh, I guess the one thing I don't really have enough enough insight into. You may have more insight than me. Is like what what the Pelicans players have actually been doing over the last. Like, I know working out, they've been working out a lot. So I'm not worried about stamina. And I think that actually benefits the Pelicans. These guys have, I, I think these guys have clearly been, what else do you have to do right now as, as an NBA player than just stay in shape, right? And so that's not, that's something I'm not worried about, which, which helps the Pelicans and their style of play. I mean, what I am worried about more is more the hard basketball skills, like, uh, like shooting, for example. And so like, that's what, that's what would, you know, we saw how well B.I. and Lonzo were shooting before the, before the stoppage. You know, how much have they been getting up shots and, you know, and, and with the right, with the coaches and, and, and structured kind of simulated environments? Um, because getting up shots is different than getting up shots in game situations. Um, and so that, that would be my, my main concern. Um, but I think hopefully they're in a place where they can play their style on steroids um, when they get back and really push the pace because they're, they're still in great game shape, right? That, that's kind of where. That, that, that's well, my... they're a younger team, so hopefully, you know, it doesn't take as much to get into shape or sure. or, or get out of shape uh, for them. Doesn't um, so hope that that is the hope. As far as what have they been doing? Literally, none of them post anything except for Drew, <laughs> yeah, uh, right. Ja, and Lonzo once posted a video of him lifting some like raggedy ass <laughs> weights with terrible form and you're like dude you're gonna break your back or tear a labrum what are you doing uh i don't think he has posted a workout video since um but yeah i have no clue what any of these players have been doing i do have um it on fairly good authority from someone who saw zion in person um not just saw like oh i saw him at the store but like spent time with zion um and uh, was around him, and I had an opportunity to be around him. And he said Zion is in incredible shape right now. So that that is what I'm leaning on. Also, um, if you follow Andrew Lopez, Andrew Lopez tweeted out that he has been ready and he's stayed ready. And I have heard similar that basically since this all, the hiatus uh, started, he's been in the gym basically from the moment they got back in the the practice facility. And obviously David Griffin um, and the Pelicans requested special permission for him to continue to use the practice facility, which the NBA happily granted because they want him to stay ready. (laughs) And so that is good news. I know that Brandon Ingram has been around New Orleans um, or in New Orleans. He's at the lakefront apparently all the time, uh, which is great. Because the lakefront's a pretty peaceful place. Seems very Brandon Ingramish. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, uh, I have no idea what he's been doing. I've heard Twitter rumors that he's in really good shape and he's gotten bigger. 
but I have not heard it on any good authority. I don't think you could probably get, I don't think you could get smaller. So (laughs) you would hope not. Uh, Jackson Hayes has also been in new Orleans. Melly has been in new Orleans and Melly said he wasn't able to touch a basketball since um, pretty much all of quarantine until they like finally started allowing players back. So that's, uh, that's unfortunate. I have no idea where Josh Hart is. I know that he plays his video games and streams them frequently. Um, yeah. But Drew, Drew's been doing his regular offseason stuff, which to me means he's going to come back sloppy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, let's be real. Like, he he, he gets really Great. strong. Great, we're going to get November Drew twice in one season. Yeah, right? I mean, like, he, he gets really strong in the offseason. But I have no – I mean – they're not exactly shy about posting Drew's like workout videos and yeah. every off season, like even the basketball stuff that they do work on, it seems like it's just like a bunch of like isolation work and which is great because he's gotten really good at scoring in isolation and, and whatnot. But I mean, I would like for him to concentrate on working on his shot a little, um, maybe working on his handle a little, who knows? I feel like Drew's going to come back sloppy. <laughs> Um, maybe yeah, it's, maybe like here's a weird theory maybe he starts the season like too big like <laughs> muscularly and then like when he uh sheds a few pounds he gets quicker and more reactive and whatnot it's kind of like you don't watch dragon ball z so this is for <laughs> the real fans out there it's like when trunks like powered up and, and he was uh going to fight cell and he or and he made this like really really bulky form and he was just really slow, and then he had to slim himself down. Yeah, basically that. I, I was going to relate it to like high school sports, and like you've got you've got the three sport athletes, and then the guys you transition from football season to basketball season. All of a sudden, you're just like not in in weird shape com, com, compared to what you're typically in for for basketball season versus football. So that's the that's the Drew transition, I think. Yeah, yeah, but Drew Drew's been working out pretty religiously. Um, and, and, you know, Mike G is pretty hard on him. So I have, I have no doubt that he'll be in great physical condition. I just am hesitant on his basketball, basketball skills condition. What's, uh, wonder what favor has been up to. Oh, favors. He gave an interview. He's been around Atlanta and he's basically been rehabbing and relaxing. He had back and knee issues, man, like that. He just took time off basically. And now he said he's trying to like do cardio, but like, that's about it. Yeah. yeah. I feel like this time was actually, I mean, if there's one guy, this is probably really good for it. Um, beyond maybe Zion it's, it's favors. Yeah. And I, JJ was hurt with a, with a hamstring injury. True, true. So yeah. being able to come back from that also helps, but yeah, I think favors, if we get a more mobile version of favors, like that's also a good thing. Yeah, for sure. I forgot about Kenrich Williams, man. He's also been here the whole time in, in the gym with Zion. That's dude. If there's, if there's one guy who I'm hoping found a found a gym somewhere that he broke the lock to and got got some shots up, that's that's the guy. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, and that's yeah. Uh, so that's the status with the Pelicans. I hope you guys enjoyed this recap. Uh, stay tuned for part two where we answer your questions that you have mailed to us or tweeted at us. Thanks for listening.
Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Hello everyone, my name's Colin Kelly and I have one question for you. Do you love fantasy football and do you want to win in 2021? Then be sure to check out Rotoviz Overtime and all the other Rotoviz podcasts with new shows dropping every day on Blue Wire. We've got you covered for all things fantasy football. Subscribe to Rotoviz Overtime today.